Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun, day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one, Dr. Everything will be alright. Some action. Let's have some asses wiggling. I want some perfection. <laughs> Purple Rain is a 1984 American rock musical drama film starring Prince in his film debut. The film won an Academy Award for Best Original Song Score, but was also nominated for two Razzies. Worst New Star for Apollonia Cotero and Worst Original Song for Sex Shooter. I'm your host, Neil T, broadcasting from the shores of Lake Minnetonka in a red velour tracksuit and trilby hat. Joining me on today's Dying for Scale Movie Club podcast are my regular co-host, the artist formerly known as Todd Brisket in Austin, Texas. You have no business leaving this house. You're always sneaking around. You're a goddamn sinner. And regular guest, Stephen Greenwell, a.k.a. The Purple One, in Rhode Island. Where are you? Where are you? Answer me, motherfucker. (laughs) Dream if you can a courtyard, (laughs) an ocean of violets in bloom. Animals strike curious poses. They feel the heat, the heat between me and you. And now it's time for the feature that everyone's talking about. It's Jackie's Movie Synopsis Time. Away, Jackie. Uh, hi guys, I saw this movie with John, and we kind of felt that it gave us little Kim a bad name <laughs> <laughs> because Prince he kept like slapping these ladies, and his parents were bad too. And the music was really good, though. Okay, you're a uh, filthy little girl. Now, the uh, the uh, unofficial IMDb synopsis is a young man with a talent for music has begun a career with much promise. He meets an aspiring singer, Apollonia, and finds that talent alone isn't all that he needs. A complicated tale of repeating his father's self-destructive behaviour, losing Apollonia to another singer, and his coming to grips with his own connection to other people ensue. Hmm. Is that what this movie was about? Uh, no, it was basically a really, really quite a good concert movie. Concerts uh, movie, wasn't it, really, with a tiny, tiny amount of plot, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. It was, um, my, my thoughts while watching this was, it was like they wanted to make a concert film for Prince, but said, hey, how can we make him look unappealing for 90 minutes first? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like it's um, it's like they were actively fighting 
to yeah. make him unappealing. Well, personally, I've got a terrible hangover because I was playing this Purple Rain drinking game last night uh, where you take a drink every time you see somebody wearing sunglasses indoors at night. <laughs> I was hammered by the end of it, I tell you. Jesus Christ. Um, actually, going back to Purple Rain again. Uh, now, Stephen, this was your choice. Why did you choose Purple Rain? Why? Why? Well, because it it is an iconic 1980s movie, and I had never seen it before. Oh, right. So, so I thought, oh, I I, I want to see what all the fuss is. I want to see why this is one of Dave Chappelle's favorite movies. And um, uh, also, you're about the same age as Purple Rain, aren't you? Oh yeah, pretty much. Um, we're both we're both products of 1984. Well, we were both made in both made in 1983, <laughs> but came out. <laughs> Came out in 1984. So you've got your um, your uh, your dad's jizz has got a lot a lot in common with uh, with with Prince. That's what you're saying. Uh, probably not. <laughs> but <laughs> so his dad's jizz beat up his mom. Uh, I'm guessing your dad isn't a purple sex dwarf, though. I should hope not. Unless that's the, his, but, his mo- your mom's nickname for his cock. But but I I don't really have any proof. So. <laughs> I love Morris Day. He he is he's so funny. He's a funny bloke, that guy, isn't he? Um, I, I know. Can can I just confess that even though this is this is Prince's movie, Morris Day is much much more appealing. And although he's supposed to be the villain, we never. I don't think we ever see him use a woman as a punching bag. Yeah, uh, Morris Day is not that bad of a guy. He sort of he sort he says something uh, a bit off off color to Apollonia in that in the club, but that's about it, isn't it? Him and uh, is it? Oh, what's the guy's name? Jerome. Jerome. Is it Jerome? They've got like Jerome. a kind of double act going on. I mean, the, the the bit where they do the who's on first yeah. is a little bit over the top, but they were very gen- genuinely very funny. And uh, most of the people in in this movie are not actors. They you know they're acting they're in front of the camera for the first time. Um, uh, you think you'd think that would be true of Apollonia, but she was actually one of the one of the professional actress actors in it. Uh, although I don't know if, I don't know if you could really tell it. Oh, I, Apollonia was a horrible actress. Yeah. But she's. But I think she and- was. Okay, she was. Yeah, she was pretty bad. Um, but what was worse was her bloody singing. But what all made up for it were you know those hoots. Those are some good hoots. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she took her oh, top yeah. off, I, I I would just imagine TB having a hoot attack. Did My you have head a hoot exploded, attack? Exploded. <laughs> you know, uh, I I thought this was just some kind of concert movie. I didn't expect it to be so dark. And when she pulled them hoots out, my mind was blown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are some, there are some steamy and awkward scenes in this. Um, she is a good looking like, woman, even even excluding the hoots. She is really really good looking, isn't she? Oh yeah, she she is very striking, very good looking. Um, it's just that during the love scene with Prince, we get some we get some hand on vagina action there. <laughs> yeah. No, what, was, when they're was, when they're on the bed, gra- graphic depiction. He heads towards right the vag, but I don't think he actually grabs the vag. He kind of grabs her thigh, doesn't he? No, he yeah, gets uh, no. Oh, does he? Yeah, no, he grabs it. He gets. He's almost. He's almost inside of her. He, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, l- gives her <laughs> the that, old loaf. Was that before five, or yeah. after he tried to eat her face? <laughs> <laughs> That was a weird scene. Oh my god, he was like he was like kind of behind her trying to eat her face, and she, oh, it was very weird. Yeah, well, you were focused on the face. I was focused on other aspects. Where I was like, "Wow, we are 
we are watching an actual sex scene right now. This, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what this movie was rated. Um, was was it an R rating? It was an R rating. Yeah, it was an R. R rating. Because they that like that sex scene, they were. I think they were gonna. They shot three versions, like a G, a PG, and an R, and they decided (laughs) to go with the R rating. And there was some rumor they did an X rated one, but that's bollocks. They didn't really do an X rated one. Mm, I mean, this is. I I can't remember another movie that was not pornography that I (laughs) that I saw hand to uh, genitals like that. I'm gonna to have to go revisit that scene because I don't remember. It. I remember well, him sort of stroking her around. Seen, around have it. you seen Freddy got fingered? <laughs> does he get fa- does he get fingered in it? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> there's there's hand hand to genital action in that movie. Yeah. Well, I I have no interest in seeing that. I mean, what you going back to what T was saying about the uh, it being kind of an you know you thought it was going to be a concert film. Um, I mean. As a sort of dramatic piece of work, uh, it's it's basically rubbish. But what I do like about it is that the basic plot is pretty true to Prince's life in that, you know, it's kind of semi-autobiographical. And everyone in his life is in the movie, whether it's most of them are actually the real people, like obviously his old band and the time and what have you. And actually even even going to, uh, to like this bouncer and his tour manager and that. The guy in the red velour tracksuit with the... Um, a Trilby hat who I, I mean, I try, I tried to pull off that. I, I would love to pull off that look, but I don't think I could pull it off, but that's his real kind of tour manager. So they're all in, in it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I like, um, what was I going to say? I like it because it's kind of true to life, true to Prince's life. And the fact that, you know, the, the plot is a disaster and the, the, the dialogue, I think is the worst of the whole thing. I mean, the, I don't actually think they're about that bad performances from people like Apollonia. They're not horrible. It's just the dialogue is so awful, isn't it? Well, the the dialogue is really kind of wooden throughout. Um, and also, you know, this is a movie that is is pretty much a period piece because it is is not aged well. Just just with how misogynistic mm-hmm. Prince is throughout. Yeah, and he's and he's supposed to be. Well, we we can't call it Prince. He is the kid in this movie. Right. Course. That's that's his name, isn't it? The kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but even you know even excluding the fact that he. He gives Apollonia the the Ray Rice treatment at several points in this film. Um, just just how he treats the female members of his band. Mm. It's just mm-hmm. oh my yeah. god, it's it's bad. It's very right. bad. I, I like actually, I the the bit where obviously you know his band are not actors, but what I did notice, I don't know if you guys noticed, was that uh, whether it was Wendy or Lisa, I can't remember. One of the two, they're but kind of similar. Um, one of them does a speech about. Prince not using their music and I thought mm-hmm. well that is not that is not acting that's clearly what she feels and then uh, mm-hmm. I heard, I listened to the commentary with um, the director and the producer and the DP and uh, he basically said yeah that's pretty much how it was um, they were kind of pissed off at him <laughs> in real life did, and that, that really did they really write <clears throat> Purple Rain yes and no so Wendy and Lisa they it's kind of I think it's a bit like how it is in the movie in that the basic riff the opening riff was theirs but he used it. He added different elements. So I think he gets writing credit. Uh, I don't know where they get joint writing credit. I think they might get joint writing credit actually. And in fact, Purple Rain, the album, this is the first time the Revolution got um, any kind of credit because everything else that Prince did, it was always you know written, composed, and performed by Prince because he actually does. He does actually play every instrument, um, and I think he does that. 
on the album. He does that on the album, but they do get credit for, I think, the compositions. I can't remember. Um, so they were getting a bit of credit, but I don't think they're very happy about the whole whole mm. sort of scenario. Yeah, Prince is a notori- uh, a notorious control freak when it comes to music. And, you know, if you I, I did poke around Wikipedia and you just notice there's quite a bit of turnover in both his band, you know, The Revolution. Um, this movie was originally supposed to star um, not Apollonia, but someone from a girl group called yeah, Vanity. Vanity. Well, Vanity, Vanity. Is, Vanity was basically Prince's protege. Um, mm-hmm. and she, she actually started doing the movie, uh, and she quit right, right at the beginning. I don't know whether she just read the script because it is pretty, pretty much of a disaster. But yeah, they basically dropped Apollonia into the movie and the band, her, Vanity's band was called Vanity Six and they dropped mm-hmm. out Vanity and put in Apollonia and it's Apollonia Six. So, you know, kind of interchangeable. In fact, Prince has got a, a new girl band, um, that he's performing he's writing for now and it's, it's i don't think it's a uh i don't think it's a coincidence that he basically likes to write write music and music and then give it to girls he's i think he's got a uh ulterior motive then if you think of like the manic um he wrote manic <laughs> he wrote manic monday for the, and gave that to uh susanna hoff hoffs or whatever her name is uh he wrote um he wrote that song and then gave it to uh Sinead o'connor you know mm-hmm he does it a lot. I think the only oh, yeah, the no. only uh, men he's well, he gave he's given a few songs to blokes, but uh, the time he's written a few songs for the time as well. And I and I as I was watching Morris Day, Day, I'm thinking, is that guy gay? I didn't actually look it up or anything, but he was pretty camp, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I do not believe that he is a homosexual man. No, but you know the opening bit where he's kind of hoovering up and wearing <laughs> he's wearing that that do rag and doing the hoovering in, in his uh, in his vest. Oh, I, I just think he has a much, much better stage presence in a way than Prince. Yeah, his dancing's oh, pretty totally great, great isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think my... Uh, I would much rather go and see a, a, a time show than a Prince and Revolution show. How dare you? It would um, be much more entertaining. I, I'll talk about me going to see Prince in a bit, actually, because I've seen Prince live. But um, no, he's, he's a great showman, isn't he? I love his dancing. I think at my best, my dancing is pretty similar to... Uh, Morris Day. I mean, I'm not as good a dancer, but that's kind of my kind of style. I can do that. Kind of moving side to side and then, you know, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's my one dance move. That's my move. Like, hey, he's he's kind of my foot up to the left and I put my foot up to the right. He's doing my moves there. But yeah, those two were those him and uh, Jerome were pretty funny, I thought. Uh, oh, definitely. Like they, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it's it's hard to see why they are really the villains. I mean, they're they're obviously more commercially motivated than prince which i imagine might be part of the strife between the two but except for jerome throwing a lady into a dumpster um they they arguably treat pretty much everyone with equal respect that prince does yeah i think um i think it's more kind of a rivalry in that they want to be they sort of want to be the top dog in terms of the who's going to play in that venue and uh there was a bit of nastiness like when um when Morris drops that offhand remark of you know how's the family doing after his dad shot himself in the head, that was a that was a bit much, wasn't it? Well, I think it was actually how's the family? Ha! Ah! <laughs> hey, where's your drop, TB? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, going back to the kind of the credits, the credits for the uh, for the writing. Um, that part where he goes into the basement and his dad's there playing the piano, that is a song that his real dad 
Prince's real dad wrote, and he, co- he incorporated that melody into Computer Blue. Um, oh. So, yeah, and, and like that line, uh, don't ever get married, is something that, that his Prince's dad said to Prince, and he has, I don't think he's ever been married, has he? I, I do not believe so. I couldn't tell you, yeah. I don't think so. I didn't really look it up to him. I mean, he's had a whole string of relationships. In, but but by that, I mean he's had relationships with bands, with other musicians, with women, and they all seem to just fizzle out after a couple of years because, from all indications, Prince is a hard dude to get along with. Yeah, you could say that, yeah. 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 And and also, every every scene that um that was between Prince and his dad and his family – all I could think of was um, Marvin Gaye mm-hmm. um, and kind of yeah. how his life petered out. Although at least I, I don't think the timeline matches up exactly. Mar- Marvin Gaye was um, shot by his father in like ni- April 1984, where I, I think this this movie came out in July. So July, they were yeah. probably mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, they were probably definitely done with shooting. I, I imagine maybe they could have done something in the editing beta to evoke to evoke that, but. Just like the the weird tortured relationship between, you know, mother, father, and son. Uh, this is my first time watching this movie. I'm not familiar with Prince's oeuvre, oeuvre at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm only familiar with the uh, the Doves Cry song, and mm-hmm. I've heard Purple Rain on the radio once or twice and flipped the channel. Um, How dare you? How very dare this you? This music is way out of my wheelhouse. Oh, um, don't be, don't be so square, man. How very dare you? So you don't, you're saying you don't like the soundtrack? Was, it, was, it was okay. I mean, here, here's the thing. Now that I've seen the movie, mm. I was uh, driving around yesterday with the family, ba, ba, ba. and one of these songs came on. I think it was that intro song. Let's go the crazy. crazy song. Let's get yeah, nuts. Let's go crazy. So that came on the radio, and I did not flip the the channel. I listened to the whole thing. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, so let's go crazy. I think. I think it's the one of the better songs on the on the soundtrack. Um, uh, when Doves Cry was a massive, massive hit. It was actually the number one selling single in the US in 1984. And you think about, you know, M- Michael Jackson had um, Thriller out. It was still, uh, I don't even think he was releasing stuff. Born to Born to Run from Bruce Springsteen was out at the same time. So there were some big, big songs out at the time. <clears throat> um, okay. Well, I mean, this. The soundtrack, I mean, music, you know, musical taste is obviously very subjective, unless you're Adam Carolla. Um, right. And you could argue that perfect, uh, you could argue that per- Purple Rain isn't a perfect album, but you'd be wrong. It is perfect. It's, it's, <laughs> um, and that sounds like a uh, quite an arrogant kind of statement, but. Hey, uh, hey Neil, let me, let me uh, play something a wise man once said, okay? Nobody digs your music but yourself. <laughs> um, I was kind of, I was kind of singing, singing along to the music before we started the show, and uh, I can't stop listening to this now. I listened to it about five times in the last week. I love this bloody album; it's so great. And I usually listen to the whole thing yeah. because it all flows together. It all kind of fits together if you play the album from start to finish. Teeps. Sure. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'll ever experience that, but uh, <laughs> here, this might be a controversial opinion here, but. Um, 
Prince is not really a good singer. Oh, wow. he's not that good. Okay, now let's let's look at uh, let's all, look all he at, does. He, all he all he's about is doing vocal fries and <laughs> how very dare you? Okay, so let's look at objectively. So obviously, my taste isn't you know I'm not the arbiter of taste. That's ridiculous. I was joking when I said that. But if you look at it objectively, uh, Time Magazine rated Purple Rain. This is Purple Rain, the soundtrack, uh, the fifteenth greatest album of all time. Yeah, whatever. Uh, uh, Vanity Fair called it the best soundtrack of all time. Uh, Slant Magazine listed it as number two on the best album of the albums of the eighties. Thriller is basically number one, and then basically everyone says that Purple Rain is number two. Uh, it was added to the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry. I could go on for hours. Um, sure. Oh, here we go. As a soundtrack, I'm sure <laughs> it it people enjoy it as a soundtrack. I'm saying. Prince, maybe he can write a catchy tune. He can noodle around on a guitar, but I don't think he's uh, a great singer. All right, so here we go. Dropping the soundtrack uh, label. Entertainment Weekly uh, listed Purple Rain as the number one album of all, on their 100 best albums of the past 25 years. That was in 2008. 13 times platinum. Okay, I'm being a bit defensive. I don't need to be defensive about Purple Rain because it is a fucking great album and it's... I mean, it was it was number one for 24 weeks in a row. And uh, Born to Run was out at the same time. Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. And I think it was that was number one for two weeks. Um, you, you know what else was number one for a <clears> long time? <throat> that Baby Baby song by <laughs> Justin Bieber. OK. All right. I, 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 it's, it's, it's ridiculous arguing about music, isn't it? But uh, I, I like it, obviously. And uh, there you go. Doesn't. How about you? Yeah, How sure. About you? I mean, I'm not. I'm not calling you a terrible person because you enjoy Prince. Yeah. Well, I think you've got you've got different tastes. That's fair enough. Actually, what what made me what started me off as a fan of Prince was when Doves Cry because that was a really really unusual song when it came out. Um, and it came out like about three months before the movie. Um, and um, I think that sort of helped propel the movie into uh, number one status because it, it it was the number one movie for a while as well. And What's interesting about Dove, When Doves Cry is there is no bass line. So it's drums, uh, it's a synth, it's a guitar, no ba- uh, lead guitar, but no bass. Um, and like the opening bit, is just uh, vocals and drums. It's very stripped down. It's very different. Um, and it was actually written kind of for the movie. And uh, Warner Brothers, who I think were publishing him and also they, they did the movie as well, they heard it and went, well, it's not finished. You need to add more instruments in there because it's so stripped down. And uh, Prince said, nah, it's fine. It's fine as it is. And there you go. It's a huge, huge hit. But uh... anyway, Steve, what, what do you think of the soundtrack? You a fan or not a fan? Oh, I'm definitely a fan. Um, the I will defend TV for one brief second here and say that, you know, not all of the music is accessible. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not something I would really want to listen on loop. Um, just because, you know, it's probably it's probably telling that to me, my my favorite song was Jungle Love, um, <laughs> which to me but is, is the probably time. the. <laughs> yes, yeah. it, well, yeah. it's, which is not on the soundtrack. The, huh? OK, <laughs> oh, it's not on the soundtrack. It's um, not. No, no. Oh, because because it's a song it's, by the time is a time. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. definitely the the poppiest song in the movie. Yeah, I, I would um, say I enjoyed I think I think I said this before, but I much in, more enjoyed the times performances in this movie than Prince. The music, the 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 showmanship, and everything. 
Mm-hmm. But that that being Stop said, it. utter the- utter rubbish. Um, okay, let me write this down. So so you guys prefer the time and Justin Bieber to Prince. Okay, just writing that down. Very what an attack. <laughs> um, no, it's clear the Prince songs are all better. And if I had to listen to it for the rest of the time, I'd rather listen to. The, I'm sure five five to ten Prince songs that, than five to ten songs of the time. Um, <laughs> but it's just at, after a while, it does. Uh, you know, it it it's emotionally racking a little bit to, to hear the uh, fourth Prince song about uh, issues between between <laughs> yeah. himself and and oh, and to see him singing to Apollonia in the crowd. Dar- darling Nikki, darling Nikki is hilarious. Isn't dagger it? in this film. <laughs> oh darling my Nikki goodness, is fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, some of it is a bit ridiculous, but I mean, it's Prince is Prince is pretty ridiculous. So I, I don't have any I don't have any arguments about that really. Yeah, but when it comes to soundtracks, you know, this is definitely at at the very worst top three of what we've heard. Along with um, I, I like Flash Gordon that had a, mm. a pretty good soundtrack oh, yeah. with with Queen. Yeah. Um, and actually, no, we we didn't see this movie, but we I referenced it once. Uh, the Wall. I mm. I enjoyed The Wall as a concert film. One problem with Uh-oh. the movie, and I I mean, it may maybe it may be just me being sort of overly critical of the movie. Sound the, specifically the soundtrack on the movie is um, the recordings of the music in the movie are not very good. Um, so on the soundtrack album, they're all recorded in the studio. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> in fact, on the um, on the soundtrack album, I think two or three of those songs are were recorded live at gigs, um, but were then I think like Prince like re-recorded the vocals on the top and stuff like that. Um, yeah, the, the the actual music in the movie is pretty pretty badly recorded. I was very disappointed when I watched it. Um, and if you listen to the soundtrack, I'm gonna sound a lot better. Um, so anyway, no, I I noticed the the same thing because I'd heard either the radio or the studio album or studio version of most of these songs before, and mm. I was like, oh, some of these are sped up quite a bit. Yeah, and they're kind of muddy. They're not very distinct. I mean, the whole, the whole it needs it needs redoing. In fact, I think there was supposed to be a reissue. There was supposed to be a reissue of the album, um, at least, with some extra bits on it, uh, maybe remixes and stuff. And if you think that, like, fan forums, like we're on the Adam Carolla fan forum, if you think uh, forums like dimeforscale.com are critical, uh, you, you want to go to prince.org, where he's been disappointing his fans for 30 years. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I mean, almost every thread is, is someone taking a piss out of Prince or saying he's a dick. Because, you know, like, it's now... Um, it's now what we October we're we're in October now, uh, and there was supposed to be a thirtieth anniversary album, and there's no sign of it. And basically, he constantly disappoints everybody by promising stuff that never never happens. So, um, yeah, I hope it comes to pass. There was a remastering uh, for vinyl a couple of years ago, and that sounds okay, but it doesn't sound, doesn't sound brilliant to be honest. Um, and that apparently was done from the master track master tapes, but. It needs a bit of work, I think. And he, I don't, I think he wants to move on. He just, he just creates new music every day. So maybe he just wants to move on. I don't know. Oh, he did famously say the internet's completely over. Yeah. Like we'll talk about it more later, but he does not like his works on the internet. I mean, it's, it's a fucking nightmare. If you want to go and see like, for example, when doves cry, the music video, you can't see it. You cannot mm-hmm. see it. It's not on. It's not on the internet anywhere because he has it all pulled down. Um, and in fact, the only reason, the only way I, I watched it this time is because I got the Blu-ray, and on the Blu-ray, it's got all the music videos. I'm like, shit, I haven't seen this in years because 
you can't see it on YouTube. You can't see it anywhere. I do think it's it's part of the the prince mystique though, where he wants to. The, criti- the fact, it's, it's, he's he's the, being a whoever said that before is right. He's being a control freak. Um, he doesn't want. He wants complete control over everything. And um, you know, it, it, I don't yeah, really but, understand but why be, he wouldn't. But like because to, he's. But because he's doing this, it kind of gives him an, an air of mystery. Like, who who the frig knows what's going on with Prince? And it it leads to weird stuff, like Kesha breaking into his house to give him a demo tape. So right, yeah, okay. Regarding Prince himself, you know, I'm not I'm not familiar at all. This is my first exposure, full on exposure to Prince, and I gotta say, like, um, whenever he's been parodied on SNL. Or any shows like that, I I see it now. Like whenever, whenever, <laughs> when I saw this movie, I saw uh, what's his face playing him on SNL just from the way he's acting and talking. Who's what's his face? He's he's I don't know some guy on Saturday Night Live. Whoever. Oh, I think but, I, I, uh, I believe Fred Armisen. Uh, sure. Did yeah. The impersonation. Oh, okay. So when I saw this movie, it's like oh he's playing uh, a char- a character caricature of himself in this movie, and no. just very awkward and weird. Not really caricature. He's he's a moody little he's a moody little tart anyway. I think, like that scene where he meets he meets Apollonia and then five seconds later he's standing behind her like a creepy stalker. Yeah, wearing, wearing his sunglasses creepy. indoors. As well. That is weird. Weird as <laughs> I was like, weird as hell. He just walked up behind her and started staring at the back of her head. That was that was weird. Um, yeah, apparently he uh, he rewrote these. He kind of got into not a dispute with the director, but he he basically wasn't. He was the guy in charge. So he wrote, rewrote scenes left and right, and maybe that's why it turned into, you know, a bit of a shitty movie. But he was he would literally sit on the stage, write rewrite a scene, and then they shoot it the next day because he didn't like the script. That's that's shocking that Prince did not get along with someone <laughs> in this in this film's production. Um, well, he, it's not that he didn't get along with the director because actually his the director worked with him later on, and the director actually became his manager a few years later. So they got on quite well, but it was more of a case of you know what Prince says goes, you know. So mm-hmm. the studio and everyone else were kowtowing to, kowtowing to him. Mm-hmm. No, actually, TV while watching this movie, I I could not separate all of the various impersonations I had seen of Prince, like mm-hmm. from from Prince because they. I I don't think they exaggerate portions of his personality, but I don't I don't think they're that wrong. Like I don't right. think they're yeah, yeah. that far off. Like if you if you think Prince is cooler than he's the Dave Chappelle version, if you think he's kind of this weird, <laughs> creepy dweeb, then he's more of the SNL version, mm-hmm. where he's you know whispering things. And Pr- Prince tells me like giggling to himself. Yeah. Um, I forgot to look it up. I was going to look it up, but have you heard? Have you ever either of you guys seen um, an evening with Kevin Smith, the first one? Uh, no, I don't know what that is. It's a DVD where basically it's him doing kind of a speaking tour, and he answers questions. He does Q and As with like you know college students all around the country. Does he talk about Morris Day? Um, it's the the first. I think the first one of those he did was very very good, and because he has lots of stories. And as they release more and more DVDs over the years, it's got worse and worse. But he has a fucking hilarious story about uh, Prince hiring him to 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 uh, do a music video for him, or doing it no, doing a, some kind of movie for him. Um, and it's far too long to describe now, but it's worth a it's worth a look. Um, you can probably find that story on YouTube because it's just Kevin Smith mm. talking. But it's um, 
I mean, the, the stuff that went on is just hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Because he goes, basically, he invites Kevin Smith to go to Paisley Park, which is his sort of studio slash home slash whatever, and uh, meets up and chat about things. And the, the stuff that goes on is, is very, very funny um, because it involves things like uh, um, listening parties for fans and then ha- having the fans stay behind to, to get proselytized about Jehovah's Witness stuff because he's a Jehovah's Witness now and all this sort of thing. Um, it's a it's hilarious, absolutely hilarious. I'll, I'll maybe I'll post a link to if there's a, there's a video, there's probably a video somewhere for that. I I know my first exposure with uh kind of the, the Prince universe was Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, because Morris Day does a does that song, doesn't he? On, on that jungle thingy. Yeah, Jungle Love. Yeah. Mm. Well, he he is the uh, favorite artist of um Jane Silent Bob. <laughs> <laughs> those those fine thespians. The only the only time I've ever seen Morris Day or the time is in in conjunction with Prince. I've never seen them. They never really appeared in the charts, did they? Yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, the, as we were mentioning earlier, it's it's hard to separate where Prince ends and some of these other satellite acts begin. Yeah, like you you get the feeling that you know I I don't think he has writing credits for the time, but oh, just from the fact. He does. He's written he does? stuff okay. for them. Yeah. I mean, not not necessarily everything, but he's certainly written stuff for them. Yeah. Yeah. Pr- Prince is a very prolific between all of the mm. weird satellite band and the fact that he's, you know, why why the frig is he writing songs for Sinead O'Connor? Like, well, he wrote just, that. He actually wrote that for another satellite band, and then that was actually recorded on an album. And then he gave it to Sinead O'Connor. And on that topic of the um, prolificness. Um, he wrote a hundred songs for Purple Rain before it was even the beginning was even sorry before it went into production. And the, he and the director sat down, went through all one hundred songs because they're all fully produced, you know, as if they were about to be released. And they picked uh, like twelve songs, and of which I think nine appear on the soundtrack. Um, uh, but he writes literally a song a day, and yeah, from that Kevin Smith story, not only does he write the song and perform it and record it in his studio. He does a whole music video for every single one. Then they all go into a vault and they're never seen again. No one sees them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, God forbid that he doesn't die soon. But when he does, dies, I don't know how this will will's going to be worked out, but hopefully all that stuff gets released. But some of it gets bootlegged. Like there was um, a few albums that got, well, a lot of albums get bootlegged and get released. I don't know. I think he probably leaks them himself because they don't get released on, you know, there was a the whole thing with, I think it was Warner Brothers where he was, he wrote Slave on his, hand and he didn't want to record any music for them because they only were paying him a hundred million dollars boohoo so he then changed his name from uh prince to the artist formerly known as prince or the symbol or his royal badness or the purple sex dwarf or whatever he's called himself mm. i i mean it wouldn't surprise me if he wants all of it destroyed when he dies especially seeing could be yeah yeah especially seeing what's happened with michael jackson's music where <laughs> pretty much any you know his estate is hard up for money because that's how they work. Mm. Um, and now anything that Michael Jackson like even did partially is now coming out in <laughs> over the next 10 to 15 years. Like, mm. so I, I have a feeling, you know, Prince probably does have another 10 albums of incredible stuff that none of us are ever going to hear. So. Mm. Mm. I like it when movies do this, where, about uh, 50 minutes or an hour into it, they have a musical montage of what happened in the previous 50 minutes. 
Which bit was that? Was that right around the motorcycle? Showing flashbacks to the beginning of the movie where he met um, Applebee's or what's her face, and uh, <laughs> and his dad slapping his mom around. <laughs> Applebee's Katero. Uh Was that was that when doves cry? Was that the was that the montage? Yeah, I think yeah it was yeah yeah when doves so. cry. In fact, and I think yeah I think when doves cry was written for that montage because they didn't have anything to put over that and they wrote it and he wrote it and bam, biggest selling single of the year. Ridiculous. He is a fucking prodigy. That guy. Tool around on the uh, the revolution mobile. <laughs> I don't know. Did was there ever a name for that motorcycle? Because it it looked to be a pretty bitch and ride. I I kept wondering would would Scott Colbath ride it? It's not as it's not as um like if you look at different photos of it. I, I remember when it first when it first first saw you saw first saw photos. It's like oh that looks pretty cool that and it's not actually that impressive when you look at like a side view because it's essentially just a basic Honda with a, a massive fairing purple fairing on the front and a big silly seat on the back so it's probably pretty telling that the uh the cover art slash poster for this movie is just prints on the motorcycle no mm. one else there's purple prints on his purple bike with his purple purple suit on purple rain because he's he's mr purple isn't he in fact he's got a purple monkey do you see him when he was uh his purple monkey uh popped up from his uh from his lap oh that was bizarre when he when he was talking oh, oh i completely forgot about that that was insane. He is a he is a nutter. He is a nutter, as you would say. I like to call it Prince's Purple Primate Puppet. Mm. Uh, he's a cheeky monkey, isn't he? He's a cheeky monkey. Yeah. He's a cheeky little monkey. I bet his royal badness gives that monkey a right royal purple spanking when he gets home, eh? Because mm. he's cheeky. We we get it. You're making a penis joke. Wait, wasn't isn't that bizarre? Isn't that like he's. <laughs> he, he, he was apparently a, a master ventriloquist as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't completely obvious. They dubbed that on afterwards, was it? I, you know, I just figured like all we very odd famous people, Prince probably has a, a weird sense of humor where he probably thought that was hilarious. Like, oh, this can yeah. be funny. <laughs> Include this part in the movie. They shot that scene, and um, so yeah, and the monkey was kind of looking up and popping out of his purple purple cone thingy and blah 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 and it was actually prince's idea to add that voiceover because that voiceover wasn't originally mm-hmm. in the script so yeah they did that in the in post-production uh, it's like it's like how on the uh on the simpsons michael jackson thought it would be funny if he didn't sing instead he had his his sing-alike sing for him because he wanted to play a joke on his brothers so like who who would ever think <laughs> that's funny and that's what i thought Pr- prince and his monkey puppet is funny but just because it's it's so <laughs> fucking ridiculous, it's not actually funny. Right, yeah, exactly. You know when when Pops blew his brains out and somehow mm-hmm. survived? Mm-hmm. Um, when, like, five minutes later when the police came, the, the street was filled with people. It was like like five tour buses just dropped off their passengers outside of his house. Mm. Yeah, I didn't really get that either, to be honest. Um Everybody's so concerned this this abusive old man blew his brains out. Unless it was kind know. of a close-knit neighborhood and they heard the gunshot. Yeah, I I, it, it, may, it may make sense. I, I'm just assuming people heard the gunshot and they came out of their houses to kind of see, hey, what? A bit going like on? that. Um, you remember that? You remember that guy who rescued that girl who'd been kidnapped for for like years and years. Remember that? And everyone, you oh, know, yeah, when, they, yeah, yeah. when they were, they, the news uh, vans showed up and then there's like 40,000 people out, out in the street all, uh, yeah. all, all yeah, Prince, And also it's, I, I don't think Prince lived in the hood in this movie. It's, it, he lived in like suburbia, didn't he? 
He did, and they, you know, they had a nice house with a a basement piano. So they're they're yeah. living. Large. It was although it was, it was unclear what either one of his parents did. Correct. We know what his mom did not do. She did not clean the house. That's why she got what she deserved. I think I think his royal badness must have had a decent amount of money though, because he had enough money to dress up like a gay World War II pilot, didn't he? <laughs> oh, that's that's just all thrift thrift store stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was like brand new silk scarves. You were, <laughs> I think it was a scene where uh, Apollonia was looking in a shop window or something, wasn't she? And then he comes along and he's got this like, it looks like a World War Two flight pilot scarf, and it looks like he's like, it looks like a joke where it's all stretched up in the, you know, like he's flying in a plane or something. That was a crazy outfit. Mm. Well, are are we going to talk about Chappelle's show at all? Um, the only bit I remember from Chappelle's show is the basketball thing. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and and pretty pretty much, um, you know, about the fact that the revolution played in the shit that they wore to the club. They were in scarves and this androgynous shit, and people were like, Revo- <laughs> "Revolution got this new new girl, Mickey Fee. She's fine as a motherfucker." Mickey Mickey <laughs> Fee was not a girl. Like Prince did play play basketball in his heels. I think he, I think the story was he was actually quite good, wasn't he? Yeah, although it's it's unclear if that that was actually true or if that was actually Charlie Murphy just making stuff up. He does everything in his heels. I mean, he's got. I think he's got very good at wearing those heels now because, like, uh, I watched um, as well as watching the movie. I also watched uh, he did the the two thousand and seven Super Bowl halftime show, and it was pretty it was pretty uh, impressive because. Um, it was absolutely chucking down with rain, mm-hmm. and uh, he did this amazing set, and it was just—I can't believe they still went on because I was thinking, Jesus Christ, they're going to get electrocuted. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and uh, you'll notice that um, he wears these very long flared trousers. Yep, and uh, they basically cover these huge boots, and he's got like a six-inch heel or a four-inch heel or something. So he's, right. he's pretty much used to sort of you know swanning around in those. Well, things. according to the Googles, he is only five foot two, which is. That is very, very petite. He's petite. <laughs> I also watched the, the 2004 Grammys performance, which is very short. But um, but Beyonce was on there. And she's probably about the same kind of height, but she was also wearing heels. So she looks a bit taller than Prince. I'm thinking, Prince, Prince, you're an idiot. Well, maybe Prince isn't an idiot, but you can't. Beyonce shouldn't be wearing heels. She should be wearing flats next to him. And she was sort of crouching down to get to his height. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Well, Beyonce, Beyonce is... She's a power player. She's not going to change what she does just for Prince. She probably thinks she's Prince's equal. Mm. You don't get, Neil, you don't get to be Beyonce by compromising. And probably Prince was trying to get off with her as well. Uh, like, she was, I think, 23 at the time. Well, so. she has a vagina, doesn't she? <laughs> she, has, she has something to touch from behind. <laughs> You know what Prince reminded me of in this movie? A rapist. Um, one a um, uh, guy from a movie. A rapist. Guy from a movie we've seen before. Uh, who else goes into a blind rage and just smashes everything in their room awkwardly? <sighs> who else but Tommy Wiseau? So that's who. Oh. That's who Prince reminded me of this movie. Is some just psychotic, weird, bad acting, <laughs> egomaniac. <laughs> taking control of his movie and I don't know this is weird it's, I, I got I got a room vibe off of this thing mm. the budget for this movie was about 7.2 million dollars 5 million of which was mm-hmm. spent on scarves 
Um, the box office, this was, as you mentioned, Neil, big hit, $68.3 million. So they they made about 10 times over, it, which is excluding, you know, I'm sure this is a pretty big DVD movie too. So. Well, yeah, I, uh, yeah, uh, like I did last time, um, I looked up, I worked out the, um, the, the inflation adjusted numbers as well. Um, so yeah, the worldwide gross wasn't, as, wasn't that much bigger. It's about 80 million un- unadjusted adjusted. That's about 194 million. Um, but it did $32 million in VHS rentals, uh, adjusted that's 77.8 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, dollars in rent in VHS rentals alone, which is fucking ridiculous. So, basically, Warner Brothers, um, they kind of went a bit apeshit because they had the, you know, this is like I think the first time since the Beatles and Elvis, there was the the you know one artist had uh, the number one single, the number one album, and the number one movie all at the same time. It was a massive hit. And initially, uh, Warner was saying, um, well, I don't know about we don't know, we don't know about this movie. The executives are kind of like we don't know about this movie. Maybe you know only black audience would want to see this because I think it. I think I don't think this is as prevalent outside of the US. But you know they they tend to segment markets in the US. You know black audiences, white audiences. Same same with radio as well. Uh, but uh, you know Prince was massive on MTV, so it kind of all that stuff was very kind of all worked well together. You know. Oh yeah, definitely. Um- and and clearly this this was a a huge huge hit for African American audiences. I mean, mm-hmm. you know this this was a formulative movie. Um, mm. um. Oh, and just the other ratings and rankings. IMDb has six point three, which is you know not not great. Um, but audiences do love it. Seventy four percent from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Eighty percent from just just the normal folks. Mm. So, I don't. I don't mean. I think. I think of it as a pretty good concert movie. I don't really think of it as a as anything more like a dramatic movie because it's fucking. It, it doesn't really work like like that. Although, I think teams teams are saying it had more of a story than you expected. But you know, there isn't much. Of a, isn't much there, is it? Is there really? Yeah. If you evaluate it just on the movie parts, it's it's pretty bad. Um, like it's it, it it's kind of like um. Well, Garden State, there's an edit where they take out all the music and you suddenly realize, oh, this is the worst movie ever. Yeah. Garden State was all about the soundtrack. Mm, it's very good. In fact, I think I saw a trailer for his new movie and he's also got some good music in that as well. I was like, shit, this looks mm-hmm. good. But of course, it's just the music. Um, um, and on the topic of uh, Warner Brothers, so, you know, they made out like bandits on this on this movie. They made a shitload of money and also, on, as I was saying, on the on the soundtrack as well. And my supposition is that they made so much money that um, they kind of said to Prince, well, you can do what you like now. And that's when he went on and made all these sequels to, they're not sequels specifically, but all these follow-up movies. And all of those follow-up movies like Graffiti Bridge, Under a Cherry Moon, all that sort of stuff, they're all directed by Prince and apparently they're all bilge. Um, one of them, I think. You haven't, was, you haven't seen them? Well, I again, you know, good luck trying to find it anywhere. <laughs> You have to go to a store, buy a shiny disc, and put it in a in the in your in your player because you can't. I don't think you can stream them. But I thought you were such a huge Prince fan. No, I'm not buying that crap. But I I think I watched the trailers and de- without doubt I think the trailers are enough. Um, the trailers are all on the on the uh, Blu-ray for Purple Rain, and um, I think it's the first sequel. I think it's Graffiti Bridge. His love interest is Kristen Scott Thomas. I don't know if you're familiar with her. 
She was in The English Patient. Anyway, she's she's a very British actress. She's very sort of posh, posh and stuck up. And I was like, how, how on earth is she the love interest for Prince? And obviously, again, this is his decision. He chose her because he probably saw her in something. Went, oh, I'll have a, have a bit of that. <laughs> and you see them snogging in the trailer. I think you see him snogging in the trailer as well. So it's just pretty, pretty off-putting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, how does he choose his, you know, in a similar sort of vein, um, you know, it's a massive coincidence that he decides to hire all these women to be in his band. I mean, isn't it weird that Sheila E is like the best percussionist in the world? Is And they, why do they need two drummers? You know, that, that first drummer must must have, must have loved the idea of Sheila E coming in and taking over and bashing a few bongos here and well, there. Yeah, Sheila E, all, all she does is play the bongo. She doesn't really, you know, hit, hit the, the kit, you know. <clears throat> she plays the punk. She does actually go ahead and do some other stuff. She's kind of a percussionist, really. I mean, as opposed to the drummer being, you know, she, the- she's more of a uh, more of a timpanist. Timpanist. She, she plays the uh, the cymbals, <laughs> claps some cymbals together. <laughs> she taps um, a little on the bongos. She shakes some maracas <laughs> in a and uh Yeah, I'm sure that Prince wanted her <laughs> her to shake shake her shake her maracas at him. <laughs> Well, I'd, I imagine the follow-up movies probably just suffer from, you know, the vanity that kind of derailed Prince in the 90s, too, where, yeah, he he was feuding with his record label, but he was also, you know, from, from all indications, a huge pain in the ass to work with, and, you know, I, I cannot see, I would not want to give control of a movie to Prince. That seems like a poor idea. Yeah, I don't know if it was just a trailer. I, th- I don't know, because I haven't seen the movie, but I think Graffiti Bridge was entirely in black and white. Either that or it's just a trailer. It can't be just a trailer, because that would have been ridiculous. No, I think that you're thinking of Under the Cherry Moon, which under the cherry I moon? think it is in black and white. Is it? Well, either, either way, I haven't seen any of those. Although, I think some of the songs on the soundtracks are pretty decent. Um, but I, I, my interest kind of dropped off. My my interest with, with Prince peaked with Purple Rain, because I, I got into him because of When Doves Cry, and then I bought the, bought the album, soundtrack album. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what, um, Neil? I, uh, I'll say the exact same thing. My interest with uh, Prince peaked with uh, Purple Rain. All right, shush. I haven't finished yet. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so I bought I bought When Doves Cry on 12-inch with, with remixes, then I bought the album. And then I went back in time to 1999, uh, which I think he brought in 1982, and I went back and bought that. And I think that was the only movie, only, um, I don't think I bought any of the, the other albums because he had a load of other albums before that. I think his first album was like 78 and uh, I think 1999 came out in 82. 1999 is a brilliant album. Those two albums are fantastic, but I don't, I'm not a big, I bought a lot of the other albums as well. Like I bought uh, Diamonds and Pearls. Actually, we'll talk a bit later, but he, he, he did some decent music in the last few years actually, but, um, but I haven't really got back into Prince, so I don't know. The, the best actor in this movie? Is the club owner? He is very strong. He has some good lines. Uh, uh, yeah, that's was, yeah. He's yeah. He uh, he's the guy that says this. Nobody digs your music but yourself. Yeah, he. he oh. all the, what the guy? The guy who's crying went during Purple Rain when he's propping up the bar. That guy with the with the purple with the red tracksuit. That guy. how can you not know the club owner, Neil? You were. I hope you. <laughs> Which were you it? not? Were you watching this movie on twice speed again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched it twice, you know. I watched it uh, once with the commentary on as well, but... You watched it twice on half speed. How dare you. Life my ass, motherfucker. This is a business. All right, hold on. i, I got to look him up on the Googles. Club owner per pull 
Ra'ain with one finger. Yeah, and he talk, he talks. To, he is not. Yeah, that's that's the same guy. That's the guy who props up the bar and cries during Purple Rain. That's the guy. Listen, he's a man of the people. <laughs> well, h- how could you not cry during Purple, yeah. purple Rain? By the way, what is a he's Purple a Rain? He's a terrible actor. He's terrible. Like he's. I mean, I, his crying bit was fucking ridiculous. Come on, he's rubbish. He, he, <laughs> oh, are you joking? Are you being sarcastic? He's, here, he's a man of the people. <laughs> it's not. It's not his fault that you don't feel anymore, Neil. Uh, I, I like I said. I think I think the two best the two best uh, people in the movie are uh, Morris Day and Jerome. They're fucking hilarious. Very funny. And it's all natural. Obviously, it's very funny. Yeah, Morris Day and uh, Jerome are clearly the the two best. I did look up Jerome. Unfortunately, he has not been in much since the time. No, I think he left the time. Uh, I watched the extra extra bits and pieces for mm-hmm. for Purple Rain. I think he left them. Yeah, the, the best part. Uh, I think he's done much. The- Best part by far is when Jerome is holding the mirror for uh, Morris Day, which is based on a real life concert. So that was good times. <laughs> when Apollonia ran into the into Lake Minnetonka, uh, you know, obviously she did that for real. You can tell she's doing that for real. Um, and that was in the is it Minnesota? The route, I guess it's Minnesota, yes. isn't it? Um, that was in Minnesota and. The winter had just sort of set in and it was I think 20 degrees and she ran into a sheet of ice <laughs> and they had like a tent uh, a heated tent ready for her so she got got in there ran out again ran into the heated tent and they were kind of worried that she was going to get hypothermia and then the director said well can you do that again and she went no <laughs> no 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 well, <laughs> well you again. mean when she didn't run into Lake Minnetonka exactly I mean, she should have known that. I was thinking, well, Apollonia, you should lo- know that's not a lake. It looks more like a crappy little stream. Well, she did just move to town, so it does feel does feel odd that Prince would not tell her. Oh, by the way, that's be a little more enthusiastic about <laughs> telling her not to get into the lake. But you know, he's kind of a dick. When uh, when Prince is doing, uh, he's doing like a hand thing during Darling Nikki. Do you remember that when he's got his hand going over his head? And then to the other side of his head and grabbing his, grabbing his cheek. Remember that bit? Mm-hmm. It's very weird. And his hand looks like the, the thing from the Adams family. If you look closely. Because it kind of like looks disembodied. Well, um, there's a tribute band. And in the tribute band is Maya Rud- Rudolph from SNL and her friend. And they have a tribute band called Princess. And uh, they do Darling Nikki. And they do the whole thing with the hand. It's very, very funny. I'll post a video, but there's only like, there's a video on YouTube actually, but it's kind of a poor kind of, you know, amateur video, but it's quite good actually. They're pretty good. Hmm. Do you like, did you like Prince's jizz guitar at the end there? Ooh. I, I did not notice that he had a jizz guitar. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He shoots jizz all over the audience at the end. I can't believe you mm-hmm. missed that. Oh, that that's right. Yep. Strangely, Neil, my mind did not go to him shooting jizz all over the audience. I don't. I don't know if that. What else just is it going to be? Or... It's a phallic guitar shooting liquid, a kind of a gloopy liquid all over the audience. Maybe, maybe you just need to get your mind out of the gutter, Neil. It's a jizz Some, guitar. Sometimes the cigar is just a cigar. It's, and sometimes a guitar is a jizz guitar. In 2007, Prince did 21 Nights at the O2 Arena in London, and it was a pretty good deal because he did. He had had an album out called 3121. Mm-hmm. What's it called? 2131. 3121. And he priced the tickets at £31.21, which is quite reasonable. That's about sort of $50, $60. Mm-hmm. 
and the album was pretty good. I really like the album. Um, so I managed to get some tickets off eBay. I paid a bit more than thirty one twenty one though, and I got tickets that were in the Golden Circle, which is right up against the stage. But he was playing in the round. I don't know if you're familiar with this term. It's basically where there's a circular stage, and then the band will go all the way around the stage so everyone can see them. Except he didn't really do that, and I was in the sort of the back area, the behind the area. However, so he didn't really kind of go to as much. We could obviously see him him and the band mostly from the back and then it would come around occasionally and say hello um but next to me with this was this really hot girl really hot and so prince spotted her <laughs> and so when as soon as he spotted her he would pop around quite a lot more often and say hello and you know wave her and stuff um and at the end of the gig the house lights you know the gig had finished the house lights went up and somebody near us said hang around because he'll he'll do an encore because basically what he does is every show is different and he'll, he might come back and do an encore. He had like guests turning up like Paul McCartney and Elton John and stuff, which he didn't do on that night. So we think, well, maybe come back and do an encore. And and next to me in the aisle, because I was next to the aisle, there was a security guard. And I said to him, look, shall we hang about? He goes, well, you might as well hang about. And then all of the band went, they exited. How did they do this? They exited through, I think, the normal sort of exits, walking past everybody. And then where's Prince? Because the, the stage was raised up and then, you know, all the band go down below the stage and then they exit out somewhat, some way and then they end up, end up on the same level of, as us. But Prince had disappeared. And we're like, where the fuck is Prince? Maybe he's going to come back. And all of a sudden, this big box gets wheeled wheeled out through down the, uh, down the aisle. And then the security guard says, he's in the box. <laughs> So <laughs> in order to get out of the in order to get out of the re- arena and I can't imagine this isn't true he's there he's there hidden in this big box which is wheeled off and he goes no he's not going to do an encore now he was in the box ah <laughs> and at that, that point we left that that is <laughs> but it was uh, it was an amazing gig sorry so Steve. bizarre but so prince it it's something you like well that has to be true that can't be that can't be a joke that has to be true um, but it was a fucking amazing gig because every single night he would do a different set. It was just ridiculous. And that, you know, that f- opening um, opening chord, which I think is this one. As soon as we heard that opening chord to Let's Go Crazy, everybody went nuts. And that's all you need to hear is like, want me? And it's like, oh, shit. Um, the place went absolutely mental. So really, really great gig. I think what you're trying to say is they went crazy. They went crazy. They went nuts with the purple energy. Anyway, they went bananas. B a n a n a s. Bananas. Bananas. B a n a. I can't spell bananas. One of the extras on the on the DVD, like the double DVD set and the Blu-ray, is there was a Purple Rain premiere after party that was held by MTV, and it's like two hours long. I think it's only about half an hour on the on the DVD, but. It was presented by this MTV DJ or VJ called Mark Goodman with this huge Jufro. And that it's just an amazing time capsule. I don't think you can see it online, but it's worth tracking down if you can. It's just hilarious. They interview Wendy and Lisa and they don't know how to use their microphones. They're all off mic. And then along comes Little Richard. And Little Richard is just decides to proselytize. He's, he's, he's got a custom made Bible for Prince. And he's there to give him a lesson about Jesus. <laughs> that was, I think, before he became a Jehovah's Witness. So he wasn't religious at all. Well, he can't have been. You know, he doesn't play Darling Nick any, anymore because it's too disgusting. He's now, now that he's religious. Um, and Little Richard said things like, Prince is me for this generation. 
Michael Jackson is me for this generation. He's just absolutely full of himself. It's pretty weird. And then along comes Eddie Murphy with no shirt on, with like a spangly gold, I think he said a spangly gold jacket. And he'd seen Little Richard and he said, and he basically said, I am I am me for this generation, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst part has to be Sheila E. They interviewed Sheila E. And she's the worst interview in history. She just refuses to answer questions. She's just a complete and utter bitch. It's just so horrible. <laughs> and then finally they had uh, Weird Al Yankovic, who was... <clears throat> Who was interviewed with John Coogan Mellencamp? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> it, was, it was so it's so ridiculous. Uh, they had some they had Lionel Rick, Richie there with some rock chick, and I don't think anyone knew who the rock chick was because they didn't caption her. They put you know, they put a caption saying you know Lionel Richie, and then some other uh, woman who nobody knows who those. Here's some other tart. Um, and finally, finally, because this is properly finally now. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but. The parental advisory thing, you know that sticker you see on CDs, parental, parental advisory, explicit lyrics or whatever, mm-hmm. that black mm-hmm. and white thing, P- partly because of um, Darling Nikki, that, that came about because, partly because of Darling Nikki, because Tipper Gore uh, bought Purple Rain for her 11-year-old daughter, and then she listened to it, <laughs> and she heard the lyrics to Darling Nikki and went, what the hell is this? And she tried to return it to the store, and the store wouldn't take it back because it had been opened. And she she was kind of annoyed about that, and so she started up the um, the Parents Music Resource Center, and that's that's who started up these um, these stickers on uh, warning labels on on CDs. Ah. I don't think it was solely Purple Rain, but it was that that was what one a, of the uh, what one a killjoy. Well, it's just kind of I kind of kind of got a point. I mean, what if you're let's say in a couple of years' time when you when you, have you got a daughter? You haven't, you TV? No. Oh, sorry. No, just dudes, just dudes. dudes, man. Well, let's say, let's say Tardito was a girl, or not even a girl. No, I mean, she'd have to be a girl because you wouldn't give a shit if it was a boy. Uh, let's say you had a eleven-year-old daughter. Would you like to hear her? Would you, you know, would you approve of her listening to Darling Nikki? Um, no. But mm. I am a, I'm much more restrictive on any materials. Like I can actually control what goes into their ears but i don't know would would i like for them to hear it no no it is not appropriate material what would you you don't think in like when you're when uh your kids like 11 or 13 or whatever they're going to have a, po- a pooter in their own room they won't they will not have pooters in their own room no really you're gonna you're gonna bar them from having pooters at all uh, we have pooters in my in my office and we have desks here with pooters on them mm, okay. they, if they want to use a pooter they can come into so office. you've got like communal pooters where everyone can use them, and they, but they're a sort of public public place. Sure, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll have iPads and stuff like that, but do they not have? Aha! So can they take up an iPad into their into their room? No. Aha. Uh-huh. They they have to check them out. I have I have them locked up. They have to check them out for a limited amount of time. They have to return it on time, where they lose the privilege. You're like a prison guard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I you're, wish like, you, you're more like the warden, actually. You got, you got to give I can, your prisoners have got to be on good behavior. Here's the thing: to get their privileges. I, I earned. <laughs> I, I'm the one paying for the, the their entire existence. I've earned my right to play video games all day long myself. They have to earn their right. So I'm guessing you, on a regular basis, you, you tell them that you own them. I own you, but I own you, I own you kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I wish I wish you the best of luck in this horrible parenting plan, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> 
this, this is gonna... not this is not going to go well for you. Hey, we're gonna have we're gonna have. Uh, there's gonna be some low lows there, but the highs are gonna be really high. You, you realize if you don't let them like use the internet when they want, they're gonna rebel by getting hooked on the spike and pregnant at 15, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm counting on. I just don't want them looking up uh, Prince lyrics. <laughs> My goodness. Well, they're not going to do that. They're going to they're going to be busy, you know, doing their own darling Nikki. With with a man with a 35-year-old chiropractor named Nick. You know, he's he probably going to go one of two ways. Either they're delightful children who are very well behaved or they go a bit apeshit. <laughs> isn't isn't that how all children turn out? Yeah, you probably got, No, there's a, there's probably a middle ground. I think I was probably the middle ground. My sister went a bit apeshit when she was 14. She rebelled seriously. That was funny. She got drunk when she was fourteen and swore at my parents. That was pretty funny. Mm. Although I was a bit of a shit a lot of the time. Anyway, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> okay, so that's all we have time for this week. Our next movie is scheduled to be the nineteen ninety three James Khan slash Halle Berry romantic comedy, The Program. My thanks this week go to my co-host Todd Brisket. I'd like to dedicate this to my father, Francis L. It's a song the girls in the band wrote, Lisa and Wendy. <laughs> and thanks to our guest, Stephen Greenwell. I wish I could say the same for you and your crew of flunkies. You guys want some grapes? Bitches. <laughs> <laughs> she took me to her castle and I just couldn't believe my eyes. She had so many devices, everything that money could buy. She said, sign your name on the dotted line. The lights went out. And Nikki started to grind.